Hello and welcome to the Conflict Skills Podcast. I'm your host, professional mediator, Simon Good. In this episode of the podcast, I'm going to answer the question, how can I feel more confident dealing with conflict? It's a very common question when I'm running conflict resolution training, like people saying, I just don't feel confident, I feel overwhelmed, I really struggle, I feel out of my depth, I'm just not sure how to have these kind of conversations. And it's also a question that comes up for some people, like managers and team leaders at work, or even just someone who's trying to help someone else develop confidence for dealing with conflict. Maybe it's your partner and watching them get walked over by different family members or the kids. (laughs) Uh, Or you're at work and you can see someone who would really benefit from being able to stand up for themselves and at the same time, for whatever reason, they're just not able to do that. So a part of the reason why people aren't more assertive, they don't stand up for themselves, they don't engage in conflict effectively, might be just that they lack the ability, they lack the tools, they lack the knowledge, the particular phrases, etc. So something like conflict resolution training can be really helpful for that. On the other side though, as well as ability, is motivation. And so when we talk about people feeling more confident dealing with conflict, sometimes it is the, the feeling, the sense of Um, feeling sure of yourself, like you're on solid ground, like you know the next step that you should take. Um, Sometimes it's about that, but other times it's the motivation for dealing with the conflict. What they're actually hoping for, a lot of the time people ask this question, is that they're more capable and that they're more effective at dealing with conflict, which often means that they decide to deal with conflict rather than just postponing or avoiding it. So in the podcast today, I'm going to be talking about that feeling of being more confident, but in terms of how does that actually manifest? Like, what do we notice when someone feels more confident? What do we notice when we feel more confident? It's often being willing to address an issue, to start a conversation, to raise a problem with someone. And we can do that, I guess, constructively. We do it strategically. The focus can be on the future and the solutions. But the first step often is broaching the subject. And so as we think about feeling more confident, the flip side to that, if we think about the behaviours that are associated, is that probably there's an active role that you play in dealing with conflict. When people are feeling not confident, overwhelmed, stuck, uh, scared, anxious, what actually happens a lot of the time is that they avoid the conflict. That's the fight or flight. This is the flight side of things where people uh, don't raise an issue, just agree to something that they're not comfortable with, uh, say yes to their boss asking them to do extra hours, even though they're really concerned about the lack of time that they've been able to spend with their kids lately. Um, So I suppose as well as the feeling, there's also the behavioural layer. And if we want to feel more confident, a lot of the time we need to address the barriers for us dealing with conflict, which might be getting in the way of us taking an active step. So it effectively becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. So there's a number of different topics that I'll be discussing, but before we get into that, just thank you very much for listening. If you've got a question or a topic that you'd like me to cover in a future podcast or feedback around how it sits with you, what's working, what would be, what we can tweak to make it more useful, you can shoot me an email. It's podcast at simongood.com. And if you've got iTunes or Spotify and be willing to give us a positive review, 
that's probably the single thing that you can do most to support the podcast. I'm never going to have a Patreon or, you know, all of these different kinds of things. I don't imagine probably I'll even go down the sponsorship route just because I find that so incredibly annoying when I'm listening to podcasts and more and more ads start appearing. So if you'd like to support the podcast, just that positive review helps other people know that it might be something that's helpful for them. Thank you very much ahead of time. Okay, so let's think then about this topic of confidence and for you, if it's you would like to feel more confident in conflict or if you're supporting someone else, the first thing that I would suggest is just pausing and thinking about what what does that actually mean for you? When you say I'd like to feel more confident, what would you like to be different? Is it feeling more sure of yourself? Is it feeling less worried about the outcome of a conversation? Is it feeling like you can stand up for yourself and and be assertive. Maybe it's realizing that you're taking responsibility for someone else's problem or an outcome of a conversation. And actually all that you're responsible for is your behavior. So is it clarity around what options you have and what you're responsible for and what you're not? Is it letting go of some of that baggage or the pressure Is it finding a way to do self-care so that you're not lying awake at night? You know, when you're not confident, what happens? Does it impact your sleep? Do you find yourself drinking alcohol more or binging on chocolate? Or does it increase things like gambling or smoking or pornography addiction? Or what is it actually that's the problem here? And what would you like to be different? And we can probably break that down into three different areas. How would you like to feel differently? And if you were feeling more confident, what else would come along with that? Is it relief or uh, joy and fulfillment in your role or finding more joy in other areas of your work rather than just focusing on this challenging relationship that you're managing? What would you like to think differently? How would you like your thinking to be different? Would you like it to be more future-focused, proactive, strategic, Uh, Would you like to be more effective at managing your team and so it would be more aware of options, more effective at planning, for example? And what would you like to do differently? If you were feeling more confident, What? how would your behavior change? Is it that you would address issues earlier, that you would be more direct? Would you like to be able to run meetings differently and when there's a difficult topic that comes up, not to change the subject because you're in a panic and you don't know how to deal with it? Um, Is it a particular person and their behavior at work is a problem and so it's finding a way to performance management, to performance manage them? When we spend a moment just thinking about what are we actually wanting here? What do we need? What's our goal? It also helps us to start to develop a plan because we can see where we want to be and often there becomes reasonably obvious steps that we can take leading back to that. Like, you know, I want to be dealing with issues more proactively, addressing issues earlier, well, the first step that we could take is scheduling a meeting with that person. (laughs) So if you were feeling more confident, that might be something that you would do. And then the other part of that is just spend a moment thinking about what do you want to be more confident about? Is it that you've got a more developed and clear plan? Like you know what to say, the words? Is it that you would know, I guess, how to respond if the other person doesn't agree or or doesn't listen, almost contingency planning. Um, Just spend a moment thinking about that as well. As we broadly think about this topic of confidence, it's largely subjective and we've all got a different idea of what that means, which 
can make it really tricky then for developing a plan for building confidence. (laughs) So where do you want to be in terms of being confident, doing confident, acting confident, thinking, feeling confidently? How would your relationships change when you were confident? And what would the plan start to look like to get there? So for a lot of people, the bit that stands out to them around all of that, around confidence, is the feeling. Feeling more confident often comes along with something like, I'm more sure of myself, or I'm less worried and anxious and apprehensive and whatever, nervous. So that's a a feeling, and we would like the feeling to be different, less of the bad feelings or more of the good feelings, (laughs) at least in terms of our perception of those. Uh, And it's really difficult to just wave a magic wand and feel differently. (laughs) One of the benefits of uh, meditation, I should say, is that it helps us to be aware that our feelings come and go and gives us a deeper insight as to why we feel certain things. It's actually often just connected with craving or aversion. We have emotions because it's been helpful to orient ourselves in the world previously. We like people who are nice, which are often ironically similar to us. (laughs) Uh, We enjoy particular kinds of foods or activity. And historically, that's been a really helpful way of orienting ourselves with the world. Then we connect with people who we're probably a good fit for in our tribe. And the behaviors that rub us the wrong way and annoy us might be things that actually aren't good for us longer term as well. I feel angry at someone stealing food. Well, obviously there's going to be a survival component to that as well. So our feelings develop and they're often in those two buckets of craving. I really want something. It's a good feeling. It's positive or aversion. I don't like that. That shouldn't happen. I don't want to be around that kind of thing that causes me stress. So if you realize that feelings are things that your brain and your mind develop with that goal of orienting it, you with the world, then you can just notice them a bit more objectively. Rather than feeling the feeling, what you notice is that your feelings come and go. I can remember hearing an analogy of what you realize is that your feelings are like fish swimming around in a pond, but you are not the pond. (laughs) You can see the pond, you can watch the pond, you can observe the pond. And in the same way, a lot of people feel something and it's like, they think that that's them. That's, I feel this, I feel this very strongly. And then, of course, it leads to, you know, particular actions, or actually, I think it's often reactions. Well, I need to let you know how I feel. And, I mean, why? Why do you need to let that person know how you feel? Are you actually so confident that you need to be feeling what you feel right now, (laughs) given the fact that we know that your feelings change depending on your emotional state at the time? Like, you'll feel more annoyed at your child not listening to you when you haven't had as much sleep and you've got a whole bunch of other work pressures going on. The behavior doesn't change. Your child didn't listen to you, but your feeling can be very different. So why on earth do we feel so confident that our feelings are valid? (laughs) I mean, I'm really struck by that at the moment. There seems to be a real emphasis on this emotional layer and I, I often reflect about, well, why? <laughs> like, um, if you just meditate 10 minutes a day, you'll feel less stressed. So we know that we can influence our feelings. It makes me curious then about why people let their feelings influence them so much. But anyway, I suppose that's a, a little bit of a tangent to go down around what feelings actually are. But you need to understand that you're not your feeling. And it's very difficult to change feelings in and of itself just to decide to feel differently. That's not often something that works particularly well. When we experience a feeling, 
It's often connected to thoughts, a story that we'll tell ourselves, the rational way that we make sense of a situation, and behaviours. Our feelings are connected to our thoughts as well as our behaviours. If you haven't had as much sleep, if you're really hungry and you haven't eaten, if you've worked out and you know, you're feeling like you've had a chance to release the adrenaline, or if you've had six espresso coffees before you go into a meeting, that's going to change how you feel as you open the door and walk in and you know, begin the meeting if you're the one that's running it. So we can't magically just change our feelings by deciding to, but we can significantly change our feelings by the thoughts, the story that we tell ourselves, and taking control of that and our behaviors, what we actually do. So when people say, how can I feel more confident? I often say that, look, you probably can't just feel more confident by deciding to be confident, <laughs> that fake it to, till you make it thing, maybe that holds some benefit, but that's an example of a behavior. You do this thing, you fake it until you make it, you act confidently, or it's the thought, it's becoming aware of what are the expectations that you're putting on yourself, what destructive rumination spirals are you going down, <laughs> uh, what meaning are you making of this and that other person's behavior and what are you taking personally and which consequences are you picking up responsibility for that might not be true if you want to feel more confident it's often in those two other areas it's the thoughts and the behavior there is another layer which is our relationships if we've got supportive people around us a mentor we've feeling more connected to our boss then we'd be more confident dealing with the uh, work relationships within our own team, for example, our own direct reports. And that's also all, I think, those four areas, thoughts, feelings, behavior, and relationship, to some extent connected to our consciousness. When we become aware of these things, it gives us the opportunity to influence them. We can almost play with those different levers, change our relationships, spend time with people who fill us up and give us joy. They give us good feedback versus the people who tend to make us feel worse and more stressed and maybe don't always give us the best advice <laughs> when we followed it in the past. Or changing our behaviours and changing our thoughts. Those are the different elements, at least in the way I think about it, to changing our feelings. And so feeling more confident often means that we need to think about those different areas. So let's have a look particularly at thoughts and behaviours in the episode today and start with that topic of thoughts. When we're thinking about conflict, a lot of the time people start with, I'd like to feel more confident when I'm doing coaching with them, for example. And I often start by saying them, saying to them something like, well, let's start with your expectations. Like what expectations do you have about yourself? Yep, your team leader in that role, you've got five people that you work with, a couple of them you're finding is a bit difficult, others it's more natural and seems to be going well. So given the fact that this is the first time you've been in a team leader relationship, you've got other members of the team that are more experienced than you, it's been six months now so since that change happened and you've moved into that role, so that it is what it is, it's time to get some experience under your belt, but you're still relatively new. I, I find it pretty rare that people really feel confident in all areas of their role until about 18 months or two years, depending on the, the job and what's involved. So you're in that middle ground, you're relatively new, but you're not as experienced as a lot of the other team leaders and managers in your organization. Um, you've got people that you're working with and it's a particularly challenging time at the moment. There's been a lot of organizational change. Uh, there's, you know, all the cost of living impacts and all of the other different challenges that people are experiencing outside of work. Each person in your team will have things like 
you know, they've got a good marriage and a good partner, or maybe they're going through a divorce or a very unhappy marriage. They'll all have different health issues that you won't be aware of at all. They've all got different responsibilities, like they've got kids and they're managing their behaviours and they might be going really well at school or having a really crap time at school and that person's worried about their kid. And you won't know any of this and you're not responsible for any of that, (laughs) most of it anyway. So what expectations do you have of yourself given all of that, given this is the context that you're working in and, and this is where you're at at the moment? Because what I've noticed is that a lot of people have expectations of being perfect They think that they should know how to manage every situation that they come across. They think, I think even subconsciously, that every meeting and every conversation and every action that they take should go well, which means that when there's a meeting that doesn't go well, people walk out halfway through or they bumble their words or someone complains really loudly and threatens to report them to the senior manager or whatever it is, whatever that bad event is that they worried and they think is a problem. Um, I sometimes say to them, I mean, from me sitting from the outside and observing all of this, the first thought that comes to mind is, of course, of course, every meeting's not going to go well. Of course, some staff are going to be upset about things. Of course, people will overreact. Of course, people will misinterpret what you say at different times. And so if you've got an expectation around perfection, well, guess what? When things don't go well, it's going to cause you a lot of stress. And so when people think about being more confident, it might be letting go of some of those unrealistic expectations that you're carrying and maybe replacing them with more realistic ones, like I'm not always going to get everything right. Every meeting that I have isn't going to be perfect. People won't always be happy with the decisions that I make. It's still going to cause you stress, but at least when you expect it, it won't be this clash of what you thought was going to happen and what reality is and then you project all of this stuff like I'm such a failure I'm such a disappointment this is so overwhelming I could never get through this because you've never expected that this would be something that you've had to get through so what expectations do you have what responsibility are you carrying a lot of people carry this responsibility for other people's feelings so when the other person's annoyed about what they've said they rush in and try to change their feeling Hey, come on, I did give you three warnings about this. You've got no right to be upset now. It's like, who cares if they're upset? You don't need to make everybody okay with everything that you do and everything that you say at all moments. I'm sure they'll realize that. (laughs) So why don't you just give them a few moments to process it and just feel upset in the moment without rushing in and feeling like you need to strangle that negative emotion out of them when, I mean, to be honest, you're not going to make everybody happy in every moment. If they haven't had much sleep, they've had three or four really difficult conflicts that morning, they're not thinking rationally. So you rushing in and giving them more information about why you're right or you're being reasonable, it's like, what for? And also, do you actually expect this to work? Because it sounds like a situation where they're not going to be very happy with you no matter what you do. So maybe the best course of action is giving them some space. But that over, I think, reaction or compensation, trying to change other people's feelings. At its heart, I think it's often because we feel responsible for what that other person's feeling. If they're upset, it must mean that I've done something wrong and therefore I need to defend myself. So the way that we change that often is letting go of that responsibility. Other people's circumstances, you're not responsible for all of that. 
And what barriers or limitations are you projecting onto yourself that might be actually illusions? Like, I feel like I can't just organize a meeting and talk to this person about that because it's never happened before. Well, that doesn't mean I can't do it. I feel like I can't carry notes into the meeting. I need to act like I've got it all together and I know it off the top of my head. Well, says who? Like bringing in notes might mean that you feel prepared and the meeting goes better. And whatever the negative aspect of that is, that you think the other person's going to think it's more formal or they'll think badly of you, it might be just like, who cares? The bigger goal for me is that the meeting goes well. So I need to do these things that are going to help that happen. Asking someone not to be in a meeting, asking other people to join a conversation, like your senior manager coming and being a part of it. Following up with an email and saying, look, just to clarify, this is what we've agreed today. That might be something you're worried about the other person's reaction, but that doesn't mean that you can't do it. If having a formal written record would be something that lets you actually deal with something in a more formal and effective way, like giving someone a formal warning when they're doing the wrong thing, like not wearing their hard hat on the job site or whatever else it is. It's like we worry about the other person being upset, but that often means that these problems just sit there and we tolerate them, and we're angry, we're stressed, we're frustrated about the fact that this isn't changing, when in reality we're allowing it to continue. And it's often because of these illusory barriers, (laughs) Um, this illusion of barriers that we're projecting, or the limitations that we put on ourselves without considering them. So think about what are you afraid of? What, what, What are you actually worried might happen if you do do this? And how much of that is real? And if that happens, are there things that you can do to manage it? So just really being aware of all of that helps us often to break through those barriers and limitations. The final thing around this topic of thoughts, the different ways that we can change our thinking to help us to feel more confident, is to be aware of the way that our brain works. We're primed to deal with threats, things that challenge our physical safety or our relationships or our emotional safety. And so when conflict is happening, our brain is really good at reminding us of threats. What sometimes happens when people don't feel confident is that they ruminate, they have these intrusive thoughts and they get stuck reflecting or thinking about a problem, like a a difficult meeting that I had that day. And I can't stop thinking about it, which means that I never really feel like I switch off after work. So I don't sleep well. And then I go the next day to work and I'm already feeling a bit more worked up. I'm frazzled. I've bought that extra chocolate cake that morning just because I was craving dopamine to help me feel better. Um, And then I go in, I'm more irritable than usual. And then when the other person does something else that's bad, will I overreact? And so it all stems back to that pattern of overly obsessing or thinking about that problem. Your brain is going to keep reminding you about a threat. So you can't stop that thought from coming up. You'll notice that when there's conflict happening, your brain keeps reminding you about it. You have those thoughts. You remember this. And when we remember this, it often means that we also feel this again and again and again and again. So you can't stop it happening. But what you can do is stop getting stuck in these negative, destructive thought patterns. Destructive ruminations is the way that I think about it myself. I say, Look, I literally tell myself, I talk to myself and say, that's not helpful to be spending time thinking about it. You know, I've done what I can to prepare for the meeting tomorrow. Um, It'll be more helpful for me to focus on something that's more positive. 
and then I choose something to focus on, like the sound of music or um, going and saying hello to my son or getting a nice coffee or going for a quick walk or patting my dog. It's like I do need to choose to do something to reset when I've been stuck in that negative thought. Maybe it's a quick yoga stretch or I I don't know. We've all got different things that work for us that give us that little bit of pleasure, help us to reset, make us feel a bit more calm. Um, And I choose to do that. I realize that I'm stuck in this negative thought and I need to do something to reset. Splashing cold water on your face, having a shower, um, and getting a massage. I mean, there's a whole bunch of different options that we have to, to go through this reset process, but it has to be deliberate. If we just let ourselves go with the flow of these negative thought patterns, we build anxiety. The chemical that's released in our brain is cortisol. More and more of that builds up in our system. So we tend to focus even more on the negative. We tend to overreact even more when there's a potential threat and something doesn't go well. And so we need to interrupt this cycle. And often it's being aware and taking control of our thinking. So those are some of the different tools that we can use on the the thought side of things. The other area that we can use to influence our feelings is behavior. And so for me, that's often to do with just the buildup of stress, (laughs) the state of my physical body in, in any moment. And then it's also things connected to the conflict itself, like how do we prepare, for example. So let's start just with the buildup of stress. What you'll need to deal with when you're in a conflict situation is a buildup of adrenaline. So there's kinetic energy, like muscle energy (laughs) builds up in our body because it triggers this fight or flight response. And historically, a lot of the threats that we faced have been things that needed a physical response, like you know, running away from an animal that's going to eat us or you're at the top of a high cliff and you need to very quickly stop walking. Otherwise, the next step that you take will be in midair and you'll fall down. So we're primed for this physical response for threats, the release of adrenaline in the moment, blood pressure increases. it's, It's all getting us ready for fight or flight. So if we've got this buildup of stress, what we'll also have is a buildup of physical energy. And so we need to find a way to release and deal with that. So a lot of the time that's exercise, like going for a quick walk around the building after a difficult client that you've just got off the phone with or scheduling 10 minutes after a meeting rather than rushing straight into the next meeting just to give yourself a chance to, you know, do some squats or physically help yourself to calm down, get a glass of water, um, have a chat with someone who we enjoy spending time with. That kind of thing will help us to release a little bit of that. There's the physical side of things and then there'll also be a build-up of emotions as well. And for both those areas, we need to find a way to release, reboot, reset. For emotions, one of the things that can be helpful is debriefing, like just talking to someone about what just happened. Oh man, have you got a minute? I just got off the phone to this person. It was, it was a really hard one. And just talking about it gives us a chance to externalize. We feel understood and heard regardless of their response, really, as long as they're listening to us, which really helps us to stop that buildup of negative emotions. Writing it down and journaling can be something that's helpful. Talking to yourself, just talking in the car can be helpful. Some people just release the emotions just by screaming like, ah, and even just doing it in a low volume like that, like, ah, Um, And clenching your physical body can be something that's helpful. So finding a way to release that adrenaline, that physical energy buildup, as well as the emotions, that's something that's essential. 
a lot of the time we're not feeling confident, we'll have the buildup of these negative negative factors in us. And if we're not able to find a release, then what we tend to do is balance the scales. So we fill ourselves up on the positive side, you know, going and eating half a block of chocolate or something, which might not be part of our eating dietary goals for the day. Um, or we engage in a reaction, like we go and yell at that person that's been annoying us just because we're not aware of that buildup of adrenaline and that buildup of negative emotions that's leading us to think that that's a valid, acceptable, good option in the moment. So the other thing that we can do is to prepare for the conflict. So I often say to people, look, what's, what are you actually hoping for? If the conversation goes well, what would that look like? What's your desired outcome? A lot of people, when they think about conflict or a difficult conversation, they have this idea of like, I need to talk to someone about this. It's important that I address this behavior. But what they haven't thought of is what are you actually hoping will happen? <laughs> it's like an impulse to share that feeling. I'm feeling this and I need to let you know how I feel. I just want to let you know how I feel. And I often say, well, for what to what end? Like, why do you need to let that person know how you're feeling? What are you hoping will happen? That they'll suddenly be really empathetic and change their behavior and be completely understanding? I mean, if you're very stressed, it's likely that they're very stressed as well. So is that realistic? That if you just share your feeling that they'll be capable of taking it on board at the moment? And is that actually what you want? Would that make any difference to you that they understood where you're coming from? I think what you're actually hoping for often is a change in their behavior. <laughs> if they could understand that you're feeling a bit stressed today, maybe they would help out with, you know, managing the kids or cook dinner tonight or give you a bit of space to just spend time by yourself rather than giving you the guilt trip about coming to this family gathering on the weekend. What you're actually wanting in a lot of these cases is the change in behavior. We think that sharing our feelings is the path to get there, but it might not actually influence their behavior as much as you think. So telling your partner about how annoyed you are when they're getting distracted and you're trying to get the kids ready for school in the mornings, yeah, sharing your feelings is an impulse that we have. That's valid. I understand why you want to do that, or you might do that without thinking about it really. But what you need in that moment is a bit of help. You want the kids to be in the car and that you'd be ready to go. So maybe it would be more effective to say, can you go and get their shoes on while I'm doing this? Rather than saying, it's so annoying when you constantly get distracted and I'm the one that has to do everything. It's just not fair. I can't believe you're doing this to me. You know, maybe you can find a more effective way to deal with that frustration either yourself, you know, go to the gym, or to share it in a more effective way when you're not in the heat of the moment and you're in that high-pressure environment. So think about what you actually want from the conflict or from the conversation. If you're feeling more confident, what would you be able to do and what would be the best case scenario there? You might even write a dot-point list of goals. This is what I want to do. And maybe think about what can you control, what can you influence. This is a part of what I've talked about in a previous podcast episode, that circle of control activity that helps us not to get stuck thinking that we can control things that are actually not within our control at all. And then the other part of the behavior or the conflict is what do we do after the conflict? It's like, well, if you haven't done anything, then you're still sitting there with all of that negative buildup. Most people do nothing, which means that they carry that stress into the next interaction that they have. 
So a quick reset might make a massive difference for your sense of confidence through the day. Just go for a quick walk, do some squats, do a five minute relaxation, find an app that works for you, do a quick meditation, yoga, journaling, debriefing, a gratitude activity, have a cigarette. (laughs) The focus here is just on that reset. It's bringing us back into balance. It's filling ourselves back up if we've just exhausted some of our emotional and rational cognitive energy. And whatever the thing is that you choose that works for you for that quick reset, Resist the urge to multitask and particularly use your phone. Just to note that a lot of people are very addicted to their phone. You know, we look at our phone several times a minute, most of us, which is quite a concerning stat, but that's what they find. Um, So resist the urge to multitask. If you're going out to have a smoke and your goal is just to calm down a bit, because that last conversation was really tough, don't pull out your phone and doom scroll while you're doing that it will actually increase the amount of cortisol, the stress hormone in your brain that's released. Whereas just finding a way to just be quiet and still for even a few minutes gives your brain and your body a chance to reset. Focus on your breathing, do some deep breathing, something like that. If the focus is on recovery, then using your phone, checking your work emails at the same time, I mean, obviously that's not going to help us to feel less stressed. But I'm you know, I do it myself and I know that a lot of people, it's just a default habit that we've adopted because we're used to being online 24-7 and when we see that one unread notification, like there's an unread email in my inbox, it's really difficult not to go in and read it and then if it's from someone that's annoying, you feel a bit more worked up and before you know it, you go back to work after your break and you're even more stressed than you were before you left. So don't look at your phone means that you don't see that notification means you don't need to try and resist opening up the inbox, which means that you don't get that spike of stress when you have a look at that, you know, realize that you've forgotten to send the attachment or you've made a mistake or there's a problem that you'll need to deal with. And what do you know, your brain starts to get ready for that. And it's that buildup of stress hormone, cortisol, the fight or flight response, which might not be what we want if we're just about to go and have lunch with our partner or something like that be supportive talking to our kid if they've just had a tough day at school. So thinking about those options in terms of behavior, as well as the thought activities that I talked about earlier, are often the key to feeling more confident. It's usually not thinking that you can wave the magic wand and decide to feel confident. It's doing things different, thinking differently or acting in a different way. So I hope that that has been helpful for you, looking at that topic of confidence from a number of different directions. Maybe some of it is already things that you've thought of before or that you were already aware of, and there might be some new elements as well. And as we finish the podcast today, what I would encourage you to do is to just think about how could you put some of this into action? For you, is it feeling confident yourself? Well, what would that look like if you were going to do something different? Or are you the kind of person that does ruminate and just constantly get stuck thinking about these problems? Well, what do you need to do to change that, to not get stuck? What would a way to redirect your thinking be? Um, Who can you talk to? What resources do you have? What are the kind of activities that tend to make you feel less stressed and make you feel more stressed? And then on the behavior side, what would you do differently? Maybe it's having a few less beers after a stressful day at work means that you sleep better and then you go to work and we can start this positive change spiral developing rather than the negative change spiral that we've been stuck in just by force of habit. 
Is it preparing for a conflict that's coming up, giving yourself more time during a meeting, before a meeting, after a meeting, getting some support from someone else around you? Or maybe it's just dealing with the physical buildup of stress and exercising more frequently, making sure that you take a lunch break, trying meditation. I mean, there's so much research about how effective it is, but a lot of people are just petrified of trying it like terrified, but also petrified like wood. It's like people harden in their habits and they're not willing to try something different, even though there's just overwhelming research about why it works. But it seems woo-woo, it seems airy-fairy. We put some label or excuse on it, which means that we don't need to try it. And then we sit here feeling nine out of 10 level of stress day after day and thinking and telling ourselves that there's nothing we can do about it. It's all because of our context. I mean, maybe today is the day for you that you give meditation or yoga or journaling or gratitude a try, given that there's just so much research about all of the positive effects that it can have. Then it might not be meditation that works for you. Maybe it's just exercise, interval training at the gym or Maybe it's counselling or maybe it's really meticulous planning and being clear about your work and spending 10 minutes writing dot notes for some of those difficult meetings that you've got coming up means that when you have that intrusive thought and you worry about it, you can remind yourself that, no, no, that's under control. I've prepared, prepared for that. It's, it's in hand. What would application look like for you? I guess that's what I would inc- encourage you to think about at the end of the podcast today. Again, if you've got a question, if you'd like me to talk about any of this anymore, if you've got a topic or something that you'd like me to talk about in a future episode, you can shoot me an email. It's podcast at simongood.com. Otherwise, thank you very much for listening and all the best dealing with the conflict situations that you're managing in your life at the moment. Bye for now.